The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Today I, I want to invite you to consider giving for Enrico Perez. He is a Spanish man who came to America, has a family, to work hard, to get ahead, to provide for his family, doing very difficult manual labor in construction. This Christian brother was down in a ditch, a deep ditch, working, when accidentally, not knowing he was there, the backloader dumped a load of dirt on him and buried him alive. His leg was crushed. His shoulder was crushed. He's unable to work. He's been re- recovering. The family is in desperate financial need. If you'd like to help this family, I want to tell you how you can do it. Go to yesterday's broadcast. You are chosen to live a holy life. That's yesterday's Pilgrim's Progress broadcast. And you'll find, when you click on it, a link GoFundMe page for Enrico Perez. As the Holy Spirit calls you to give, I invite you to help take care of this precious brother. He is in need of even the basics like food and paying the rent. He's totally disabled at this point. We pray not only for his financial resources, but for his recovery, a full recovery. So if you'd like to give, go to You Are Chosen to Live a Holy Life and click on the GoFundMe page and that will take you to Enrico's page. Enrico Perez is his name. He doesn't speak very much English. It's mainly Spanish. He's a brother of ours. He's a Christian brother. So you're welcome to help him if the Lord, if the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus calls you to do something for him. Now, when I was a a boy, I came in one afternoon to the house from playing and riding my bike, and the wonderful aroma of oatmeal cookies wafted through the air. I immediately headed to the kitchen, and I said, Mama, can I have a cookie? And she said, Yes, you can, but you may not. Not until after dinner. I said, I don't understand. You said I can, but I may not? Yes, Raymond, you have the ability to take a cookie and eat it, but you do not have my permission to do that. I learned a very valuable lesson. I want to say to you today, You have God's permission to enter into Jesus. But perhaps you cannot enter in because you have not yet repented and been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now in John, the 14th chapter, I'll begin reading with verse 16. 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may remain with you forever. And the word with is para in the Greek. It means to walk alongside of you. And he's saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he will walk along beside you. I love the Holy Spirit walking along beside me. It is the Spirit of truth. But listen, whom the world is not able to receive because it does not perceive him nor know him, but you know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. E-N. He will be in you. Well, how does the Holy Spirit come into us? He comes into us by baptizing us. This was what happened at Pentecost. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Up to that point, they had walked with Jesus, but now they walked in Jesus and Jesus in them, in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this passage of Scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah the 51st chapter. We've been talking about the call of God, the call to repent, the call to do those things necessary that we could be baptized then in the Holy Spirit. I'd like to take that further today. Before I do, may we pray? Oh, Father, I ask that you would come in the power of your Holy Spirit and enlighten our hearts and our minds. And I'm praying that every person listening to this broadcast today would make the decision to finally, fully enter into you, Jesus, and be utterly filled with your presence. I'm asking that these precious ones that you've walked with and called to repent would now trust in you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you would enter into them and fill them with your glory and your power with your wonderful, wonderful presence. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now in Isaiah 51, listen. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. That is, listen, those of you who are interested in coming close to God. You who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. In other words, look from where God has brought you. Look at the progress you've made as he has walked beside you. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who was born, who bore you. For I called him along, and I blessed him and increased him. So look back in the scriptures and see where God moved with great power, where he touched the lives of our ancestors. Elijah, 
Elisha, King David. These men were not any more righteous than we are. They were corrupt. And God had to walk beside them and change their hearts. They had to learn to listen to the Almighty God. Now, he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation. This is the second hearken. The first hearken was listen to me, that is, with your eyes and with your ears, give me your full attention. And if you're following after righteousness, if you're seeking me, then look at the old examples of what they did. Do the same thing. Learn to trust me. Learn to walk with me. Repent of your sin. Turn aside from wickedness. Put away uncleanness. Choose to walk with Jesus. And then he says, if you do these things, the Lord will will comfort you. Those places that are waste in your life, he'll begin to heal. Those places of wilderness, he will begin to cause a garden to spring up. The desert place will be filled with joy and gladness. In other words, you're on the journey. You've made a decision that you are going to leave behind your wickedness, your cynicism, your anger, your bitterness, your hardness. You've made a decision. You're going to follow after Jesus. You're going to seek him. Now let's come to the second hearken today. This is Isaiah 51, verse 4. Listen to me, my people, or hearken to me. Give me your full attention. Give ear to me. For law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the people's. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. And my arms will judge the peoples, and the coastlands will wait upon me. And on my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. My righteousness will not be abolished. So the first hearken was accompanied with promises, very specific promises. For those of you who are wanting to seek after God, now I'm believing that if you're listening to this broadcast, it's because you have a hunger to seek after God. And so I'm going to go into deep water with you. If you're serious about this, listen carefully to what is given to you today. It will be bread for your mouth and food for your heart. And it will help open the way that you might enter into Jesus. 
this second hearken is also accompanied with promises that point directly to the act of trusting and receiving the salvation. The scripture said, my righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth. In other words, God has already ordered your salvation to come to rest in your heart. His righteousness is already on its way to you. If the seeker has followed fully the first hearken, he is in such an attitude that God can say to him, My righteousness is at your very door. Psalm 50. I'm sorry, Psalm 70. 71 verse 3 my righteousness is at your very door i have given commandment to save you in other words god has given a commandment if you have followed the first hearken if you have repented of your sin if you're earnestly desiring to seek after jesus with all of your heart we're told in the psalm that he's already given an order to save you. He's already told his salvation to go forth to you, and it is right now speeding on its way to your waiting heart. Now, when we look carefully at Psalm 51, verses 4, 5, and 6, we see that they are connected, and it gives us a vivid picture of what happens in your soul at the moment of its arrival, when you are sanctified fully, when the Holy Spirit enters into you. It's the crossing of the trust line into full salvation. Now I want to walk with you through this. The scripture says, a law shall proceed from my mouth The act of receiving salvation is the very thing of receiving the words that proceed from God's mouth as the authoritative law of life, which frees us from the law of sin and death. Romans, the eighth chapter, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you have to enter into Jesus. You are not made holy as Jesus walks beside you. You are made holy as Jesus enters into you. This word that goes forth from the mouth of God, Jesus was the word. He was the Logos. This is the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is his character. It is who he is. It is Jesus. And as we enter this realm of entire purity and tread the margin of it, we come to a place where faith has no stepping stones but the simple words from his mouth. In other words, this is not something you can do for yourself. This is something you do as you earnestly search after Jesus, as you earnestly seek his face, as you turn away from the television, as you turn away from your entertainment, as you turn away from the redskins and all the other foolishness of this world, as you turn away from that stuff 
and you earnestly desire Jesus. Now I know I'm stepping on some toes because you want to say, oh, I'm earnestly searching after Jesus, but you want the world too. You cannot have both. You cannot have Jesus in you and have the world in you. And what you give your attention and your time to is what will be in you. You will be filled with the darkness you observe and participate in, or you will be filled with the glory of God and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit as you give your entire attention to Jesus and the way of the cross and you seek him. There is a much, much higher place that we are being called to enter into. There is a glorious place that we have not even begun to imagine. And it's there for you. You don't have to live in this dull heaviness of this world. There is a place of glory for you. And you are told you may enter it if you can. You may, if you can. You have God's permission to enter into Jesus. But you can't enter in if you walk in the way of darkness and you walk in the way of the world. You walk in the way of the flesh. You can't enter into Jesus. He'll walk in the Spirit with you. He'll constantly call you. He'll invite you until you finally have filled your bowl of iniquity and you have grieved the Spirit, and He stops striving with you. He will stop striving at some point with you. How full is your bowl of iniquity? One dear person said to me, I don't dare go back to my sin. My bowl is full. I will die if I go back to it. He was right. He can't go back or he'll die. And you know what? (laughs) He doesn't want to go back. He is so filled with the joy and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He has Jesus dwelling in him. He has no interest in going back to the wickedness of this world. His heart is utterly given over to Jesus. Can you say that? My brother, my sister, can you say, my heart is fully given over to Jesus and I don't want to go back? See, that's the strange thing is the more we read the scriptures and the more we pray and the more we are trusting in the name of Jesus and in his promises, the less attraction the world has for us. Remember that old song? The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's where I live. I live in the light of his glory and grace, and the things of earth have no hold on me anymore. I have no interest in them. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. 
verse 5. This is Isaiah 51, verse 5. On my arm shall they trust. How true to experience is this, this statement when our souls do finally rest upon the promises that come from the mouth of Jesus. When his promise is the only and sufficient authority for our utter cleansing from sin, we discover that we're actually trusting on the arm of infinite love, resting on the naked promises from the mouth of Jesus turns out to be serenely riding on the outstretched arm of power in verse 5. We always find the promiser concealed in the promise. Did you hear me? We always find the promiser concealed in his promise. The written promise is the sleeve in which the real arm of God abides. Fall on the sleeve, and you will rest on his arm. This is the faith act that we must take. Where we see what is visible, but is vanishing away. And what we truly are seeing is the arm of God moving on our behalf. I don't consider my circumstances to be my reality. My reality is who Jesus is and what he says it is. The self-life has to die. The heart strings have to be cut from earthly things and fixed in Jesus. Now when that happens, the earth, the things of sin, the darkness, they vanish away. We're no longer interested in them. Now there are, in these three verses, a very clear outline. When we repent, we then take by faith the word of God. If the word of God says that Jesus has given us permission to enter into him, and if the word says that we can enter into him by repentance and by obedience then we have to take that by faith and say, I will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. As quickly as my work of repentance is finished, as quickly as I am turned aside by his power from my sin, and I no longer desire it, I have done a full work of repentance. I've done a full work and I understand now how to obey him. And I choose to obey him, and I'm no longer seeking the world and Jesus too. I want just Jesus. 
and I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit as he walks beside me and instructs me in the process of repentance and obedience. I'll never forget the day the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, turn off your television. I was a television addict those many years ago. He said, turn it off. Well, then I'd find myself sitting in my living room looking at the blank screen of the TV and wishing I could turn it on. The Holy Spirit finally had to say to me, throw it away. So I took my new large screen television out and put it in the trash. I just paid a $1,000 for it. It was a Sony. It was not the slim line. We didn't have those then. But I put it in the trash. My neighbor came home and he saw it. He said, Ray, that's your new television. Yes. Why are you throwing it away? Because God told me to. I'm addicted to it. I can't have it in my home. He said, can I have it? I said, of course you can. I'll help you carry it in your house. It was a Muslim man. I have since repented for giving my TV to that Muslim man because I'm sure righteousness did not flow from that wicked television. The first step is to boldly step upon the word of God and believe it and act upon it. Now, the second thing that will happen is if you have done a complete work of repentance, the bitterness is gone, the anger is gone, you've been stolen from, you've been robbed, somebody didn't pay you back, or somebody took what they should not have taken. And you were told, let it go. So you forgive them. In the last year, I've had to forgive a number of people who have taken and not given back, broken their promise, or just acted willfully. The Lord has just said, forgive them. It's okay. Let it go. Okay, Jesus, but I'm going to have to have something to replace it. And he's the one who wants to replace it. It's replaced with Jesus. Repent of every wicked thought, every lustful thought. Repent of stealing, of lying. Repent of fornication and every other uncleanness. Repent of adultery. Repent of an abortion. Repent. There is no sin that you could possibly have committed that Jesus will not forgive you for if you will honestly repent and turn from it and confess your sin to him, he will forgive you. 
So you step out boldly upon that word. And by faith, I am forgiven because I have repented and I've turned aside from it and I'm not going to walk that way anymore. Now, number two, as soon as you've done this work, you will experience the conscious touch of the Holy Spirit, of his power. You are trusting in him. Now, the Holy Spirit may enter you as soon as you take those actions, or you may need to have someone pray for you and lay hands on you and ask the Holy Spirit to come into you. I know of both situations that have happened. There are some very famous pastors who, as they knelt before God in final contrition, in final repentance. Charles Finney is one of these. The Holy Spirit just flooded him and baptized him. What happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? You're brought into Jesus and you're brought into full righteousness and holiness. You are given a pure, clean heart. The old sin nature is removed. You are made clean. That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean you're not going to have infirmities. It doesn't even mean that you'll never sin again because the devil is the tempter. But it means you're given a new nature. And 1 John tells us that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father who will forgive us, but not just forgive us, forgive his aphemy to remove from me not just to forgive me but then it says to purify from all unrighteousness from everything that's not innocent he will purify me so first comes the bold stepping out on the word of god yes he will give me a new heart he will give me a new place he will restore me Two, he will come in the power of spirit. And then three, he will give me purified spiritual vision that pierces through every transitory place, every temporary place in the outward world. He will lift up my eyes to behold his wondrous work in my heart and in the hearts of others. He will give me a spirit of discernment. He will see that my heart is utterly devoid and divorced of this world. So it's the resting on the word of God It's the touch of the almighty arm. And it's the anointing of my eyes to pierce through space and time that I could hear the voice of God speaking to me, directing me, leading me, guiding me. Now Jesus speaks about these same things. I could give you many passages of Scripture. John 14, John 15, John 16, 17, 
It's just full of these things that I'm speaking of in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But I want to go to the story again of the prodigal son because this is a story form of the same thing that I've just been describing for you. Sometimes we need a story to grasp a hold of the real meaning. It's this story of two prodigal sons, one who left home and one who never did, but both rebelled against the father. This prodigal son demands a third of the family's income and money. And he leaves. And he goes and wastes everything in a far country away from his father, squandering his wealth on on loose living. Now when everything's gone, you know what happens. A famine comes to the land. And in that famine, he can't get a job until finally he finds one job with a citizen of that country who allows him to work on the farm and feed the pigs. He he knows pigs are utterly dirty. He would not touch one in his background as a Jewish man. But he's not receiving enough money to take care of a place to sleep at night and to buy food. And so he's he's slowly starving to death. He wants to eat the pig food. You know, it's nothing like a pig diet to turn a person into reality. And this is where the Lord comes by the Holy Spirit and he begins to show us the pig food we're eating and ask, how long do you want to eat that pig food? Isn't it time to come to your senses? And finally, this young man, after a full diet of pig food, comes to himself. He comes to his senses. He begins to see reality for what it is. The scriptures say no one was giving to him. He had a sense of entitlement. He thought everybody owed him something, owed him this amount of money. You know, a a young person always insisted on going to work right at the moment they were supposed to be there. And I said to them, you know, why don't you go 10 or 15 minutes early and get acclimated and talk to the boss and talk to the to the people and and then when your time comes to start you're there and you're ready and everybody knows you're on board and know what to do and this person said to me I'm not going to do that they're not paying me for that extra 10 minutes are you kidding me what is that how we operate is that what a Christian does and this person said they were a Christian That's worldliness. That's wickedness. That's not the gospel of Jesus. That's a sense of entitlement. You owe me. I'm not going to give you a dime more than than I owe you. You owe me salary. Well, coming to himself in, this is Luke 15, verse 17. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have an abundance of bread and I'm perishing with hunger? He's finally come to his senses. He realizes in the darkness of this age, he's dying. Part of the problem we're facing is that 
you can today in the modern church grab a handful of bread and satisfy some spiritual hunger and then you can go live like the world but please may I tell you you cannot be in Jesus and in the world you cannot be in Jesus you cannot be saved and be in the world your religion will not save you your rituals will not save you only Jesus, only being in Jesus saves you. He says, having arisen, I will go to my father and I will say to him, father, I sinned against heaven and before you. See, that's the foundation of New Testament repentance. I have sinned against God. And in the the sorrow of my heart, I repent. And he repents to his father. Both were necessary. And he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. He now has a very accurate understanding of the way the world works and of who he is. All sense of entitlement was washed away with the pig slop, with the stench of the pigs and the pig pen. He's been utterly humbled before man and God. So after having arisen, he went to his father. But he still being a distance away, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. And having ran, he fell upon his neck And he kissed him. In all of his pig-slop dirt, his father fell on his neck and kissed him. In all of our pig-slop leprosy, Jesus loved us, died for us. The son says to him, Father, I, I sinned against heaven. You notice he's continuing this drumbeat. I sinned against heaven. That's the beginning of true repentance. A humbling of the heart. And I sinned before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's right. He is no longer worthy to be called the son. He's not even worthy to be a hired servant. but this father and Jesus is showing us the father in heaven he's showing us his own heart for the lost sinner the father said to his servants you must bring out the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his hand sandals on his feet in other words give him status a ring to give him authority Sandals to say he's not a hired servant. The best robe to say he's honored. And having brought the fatted calf, slaughter it. And having eaten, let us rejoice. Because this son of mine was dead, but he came to life again. He'd been lost, but he's he's found. And they began to rejoice. I I want you to grasp this wonderful truth. 
you have God's permission to enter into Jesus. You have permission to enter into Jesus. You may enter him. But you cannot enter him until you have repented to God and you have repented to your father. You've repented to Jesus. And you've gotten up out of your pig slop. The father did not go to the pig pen to call the son. No, the son had to leave the pig pen and go to where the father was. You have to leave your life of sin and wickedness, of casualness, of coldness of heart, of cynicism. You have to choose. Will you repent? How do I say this to you? We have many damaged parts of our heart. We've been hurt. We've been rejected. We may have been physically abused, as some of us have been. We may have been caught in all manner of sin, in fornication, in pornography. We may have been caught in lying, cheating, stealing. We may have been caught in pride and arrogance. Someone may have said to us, you have such a hard edge. And we've said, you always say that. You just proved you have a hard edge. If you didn't have a hard edge, you would say, help me understand, what are you seeing? Defensiveness says you have a hard edge. If one person calls you a donkey and you're defensive and the second person calls you a donkey and you're defensive, if the third person says it to you, you better get a saddle because you're a donkey. You hear what I'm saying? You may have been caught in betrayal being a Judas. You may have wronged, deeply wronged with gossip, friends. You may have judged harshly out of your own self-righteousness. You may have said to someone, you're a sinner, I can't deal with you. Maybe you didn't say it to him in person, but maybe you said it in your heart. Jesus never took that position. It's for all of this that we must repent. First to the Father and then to the Son. And as we repent, God will respond. Jesus will respond by putting righteousness about our shoulders, a ring of family ownership on our hand, the Holy Spirit, and sandals on our feet. 
Now this may take some time, but it does not take a long time. Some of you have been at it a long time. Only because your eyes have been clouded with pain and tears, or your eyes have been clouded by the circumstances of your life. But Jesus is now calling you out of all of that. And he is saying, please come to me. You may enter into Jesus, but you cannot enter into Jesus until you go through what I'm describing. This is not a matter of saying a quick sinner's prayer and then saying, okay, now I'm saved. When pastors say that to you, they're lying. That's not the word of God. There must be a full work of repentance, a full work of restitution, a full work of trusting alone in the, in the word of the Father. The young man does not throw off the robe and say, I'm unworthy. No, he must allow the Father to put the robe of righteousness on him. The Father wants to dress you in righteousness. Will you let him do that? Oh, my brother, my sister, Jesus wants to dress you in the robe of his righteousness. Impart it to you, not impute it to you. He wants to impart it to you. And when he puts the robe on, the whole body is cleansed. And the Holy Spirit then enters into you as you are baptized by the Holy Spirit and you are made righteous. Now believe me, the prodigal son sees and understands his father now in a way he has never before seen him. He always saw his father as the big authority figure who is going to come down hard on him and make him do what he doesn't want to do. He's been to the pig pen. He's been awakened to what life is really all about. He knows that no one owes him anything. He knows that this gift of the father to place a robe on him and sandals on his feet and a ring on his ear and to host a banquet for him. All of this, all of this is undeserved. All grace is undeserved mercy. God loves you. Now I need to come back and ask Will you show mercy on your brother? Our precious brother, Enrico, needs your help. Enrico Perez, a Spanish man, a Christian brother, with a wife and a child, was desperately hurt in a construction accident that was not his fault. And we have set up a GoFundMe page. If you'd like to give to help this brother and his precious family, would you go right now to nationalprayerchapel.com, go to the broadcast, You Are Chosen to Live a Holy Life, and there just above the video you will see in red, 
GoFundMe page. Click on that. It'll take you to the page, and you can give on PayPal with a credit card. Now we're out of time for today. I would love to hear from you. It's been a week of no offerings for the broadcast, and the end of the month is coming. Would you help pay for the broadcast for the month of November? Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195? That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, please, someone, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Thanksgiving is coming. My heart is so full of thanksgiving for you who walk with me, who listen daily, who give to support this broadcast. And most of all, I'm thankful to my Lord Jesus Christ. I love you, my brother, my sister. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I'll talk to you soon.